a stranger with a gun came upon two teens taking pictures under a rising full moon. But violence is only the beginning of this story. Sometimes I thought, there are no miracles. Yeah, there are. And this is a big one. I'm Amy Donaldson, and I've spent my career talking about how lives are undone by violence. The Letter is a podcast about how lives are remade. Follow The Letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Inside Sources. Inside Sources. Inside Sources. Where KSL offers Utah deeper insights on the news. Host Boyd Matheson divides rage from reason and elevates the conversation on issues crucial to our community. On KSL News Radio 102.7 FM and 1160 AM. Utah is famous for being one of the youngest states in the nation thanks to a high birth rate. However, child care in the state is incredibly expensive. One of the highest of those costs, of course, is out-of-home child care for working parents. So we wanted to dig in a little bit to why those costs are so high, what can be done to fix it. And uh, we'll turn to one of our former inside sources, who's a new inside source for us, Kelly Pierce, a former producer here on the show, is now the digital media associate at the R Street Institute, journalist here in Utah. And uh, Kelly, thanks for coming back on the program. You had a great piece at Reason.com talking about zoning laws making childcare unaffordable here in the state of Utah. Give us some perspective. Well, I think the best way to think about it, by the way, thanks so much for having me on, Boyd, but I think the best way to think about it is imagine you're opening a childcare center. If you want to do that, you have to find a property, sort of a piece of land sometimes because there are many growing cities and they don't have the facilities available. So while you're spending all this money on architects and engineers to make sure that building meets state safety standards, which is important, the project can then start to go to city staff who can make changes, then onto a planning commission who can make changes, and finally onto a city council who can send it back through the rezone process or even kill it altogether. In a state committee last year, one child care center owner said all of this time and zoning expense added $400,000 above what the construction costs were going to be for his mm-hmm. child care facility. That's an incredible amount of money. Yeah, and so we know if if those hard costs are, are high, it's harder for people to get into that business and industry. Uh, I know in your piece at, at Reason.com, uh, you quoted Susan Madsen uh, from Utah State University uh, talking about uh, how many slots are available, how many facilities are available for child care versus what we actually need in the state. Yeah, absolutely. So they estimate about there's 150,000 children, six and under, who possibly need child care in Utah. And there's only about 63,000 slots available in formal, formal child care programs or other state licensed ones. Now, obviously, with Utah, there's a lot of stay-at-home moms, and I'm absolutely supportive of that. But let's suppose you actually needed a slot in those child care centers. That's a, quite a big gap. And I know in my son's daycare, there are just lists of people trying to get their babies and toddlers in, but they can't find a place whatsoever. Yeah, and with that, scarcity, of course, means costs go up, and uh, people know that they can charge more. Obviously, the demand is clearly there. Uh, one of the headlines from your piece, uh, Kelly, that caught my attention was that Utahns are forking over about half of a paycheck uh, or more uh, just for the child care portion. Absolutely. I mean, it can definitely feel like you're forking over that half a paycheck. And You know, the thing is, is that babies and toddlers, how that kind of works is babies and toddlers are very expensive to take care of. So they do have, 
you know, older kids to sort of subsidize that cost. However, older children sometimes go into things like Head Start or other government-owned facilities, and that puts another level of pressure onto the child care providers and centers because they can't exactly lower their costs because they've got to take care of these babies and toddlers. You know, they forget things like diapers and wipes and clothes and things like that. And so those are another pressure that is added on to all those zoning laws that are making child care prices just go through the roof. Yeah, one of the things we always appreciate about your writing, Kelly, is we always get down to the practical tactical. What are we actually going to do about this? Uh, Not enough to complain or point. Uh, We have to have some solutions. So what are some of the things that can be done or should be on the horizon in terms of conversation that would help us uh, solve some of these issues and uh, support some of these families? So some of the things that have been going on at the local level, so some cities like Cedar City have been great. They've been making little changes to their zoning codes to help out child care centers. Also, cities like Salt Lake City and Ogden, they were looking at changing their zoning laws pre-pandemic, though that does seem to have uh, taken a backseat to other issues. So there has been good work at the local level. However, it's not enough. And the child care center owners who were talking to the state last year basically want their child care centers to be treated like schools. And schools in Utah, whether they're public schools or charter schools, as long as you're following a uniform code, the cities really can't get in your way and mess with you. And if anyone knows about child care centers these days, they're really run like schools. So that makes a ton of sense because, I mean, Child care center owners, they will tell you the example that I gave of the man who spent $400,000 complying with these zoning laws, they're not the only, this is not a one-off situation. I mean, one woman in Lehigh, she wanted to expand her child care operation. She was under contract for a couple of properties, and she told state lawmakers she just spent a lot of time and expense. And after all that time and expense, the city still didn't approve just a simple zoning change that she needed. So it took her two and a half years before she could open a place in a completely different city, right? And also you have to think about child care center workers are not paid a lot. And one of the reasons that they're not paid a lot is because these centers are complying with the zoning laws. So one of the things they talked about in the a committee hearing last year was how much they desperately want to pay their staff more and maybe try to lower prices for parents, but they can't be doing that when cities are charging them thousands, hundreds of thousands of dollars. So making that simple fix in the state legislature to treat, you know, these childcare centers like schools will probably save a lot of grief and open up a lot more spots. Yeah, and just uh, creating some certainty in terms of that path, I think, for some of those, a lot of those are small business owners, and just getting rid of some of that uh, red tape and and bureaucracy, uh, I think, can create some certainty so that they can say, hey, we can expand, we can do this, we can pay our workers more, we can, you know, adjust to to meet this uh, particular need. Is there anything else on the horizon, Kelly, that you're watching for or things that could be done, especially at the local level? Uh, There's nothing that has really been set in stone. There's no bills that are being run right now. One of the concerns that state lawmakers have anytime they get into sort of the zoning game, let's say, is that local city officials really do tend to fight uh, reform of that or really push back on any state efforts to reform zoning. And that makes sense. I mean, you don't want, let's say, Salt Lake City making decisions for Farron and vice versa, right? But there does have to be a breaking point. Because these child care center owners are getting, which are, as you say, 
small business owners, they're getting jerked around by the state for thousands, hundreds of thousands of dollars. They're not able to pay their staff a living wage, even though they really, really want to. And parents are paying exorbitant amount of prices. And it's something's just got to break. And something's really got to change. And maybe putting some rules in so that small business owners can be treated fairly, that's probably a good step. Yeah. Uh, Great insight as always. Kelly Pierce, digital media associate at the R Street Institute, a journalist here in the state of Utah, former producer for the show here, and a great part of our inside source team and a great piece at uh, reason.com. You can check that out today as well. Kelly, thanks for joining us. Thanks, Boyd. All right. uh, Some important things. It's amazing how often just those simple little things like zoning laws and things that can create some certainty can have such an enormous impact and, and make a big difference. All right. We'll step aside for one last commercial break. When we come back, some final thoughts on a Monday here on Inside Sources on KSL News Radio. Stay with us. Two friends taking pictures of the rising full moon on a summer night. Two teenage kids doing what teenage kids do. When a stranger with a gun and a death wish changed everything. It was violent, it was senseless, and I will never understand it, I will never accept it. I'm Amy Donaldson, and unfortunately, we're all too familiar with stories about how violence shatters lives. But what we rarely see is how they are rebuilt. In a new podcast, The Letter, we relive tragedy, but only so we can hear the rest of the story the struggle to reclaim lives, the realities of grief, and the possibilities of forgiveness. I believe in miracles. Sometimes I thought, there are no miracles. Yeah, there are, and this is a big one. Follow the letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts.